And welcome back to the 49er Way Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Sahoda, and on today's episode, we got lots to get through, including the 49ers' frustrating loss to the Saints, Week 10 headlines from around the league, and we will also take a look at the playoff picture in the AFC and the NFC heading into Week 11. And of course, we will reveal the results of this week's 49er Way Weekly Awards. Well, let's not waste too much time and let's get right into it. The Niners traveled to the Superdome to take on the New Orleans Saints in a rematch of last year's instant classic game. And in my pregame post on Sunday, I previously said that last year, there were a lot of unforgettable memories for the 49ers in New Orleans and that this year, there might be a pretty good chance that there'll be some forgettable memories in the Superdome. And I was not wrong about that. The Niners, they went into New Orleans, they played pretty good, they got off to a quick start. But they ended up falling in this one, 27-13, on a day where really it was just about turnovers and hurting yourself. The Niners actually had a lot of opportunities in this game, but they just couldn't capitalize. They actually were better than the Saints in a lot of statistical categories, which we'll get to in just a moment. But that was the story. The defense played very well. They, I know 27 points is you know not a great accomplishment or anything, but if you watch that game... The 49ers defense showed out, but let's get right into some team notes then, shall we? And we'll start with the Niners actually had more first downs than the Saints did. 21 first downs for San Francisco, four more than the Saints did. And I think the Saints got pretty lucky from where their drives were starting. Most of the time, I'm pretty sure there were a good three or four drives that the Saints were starting inside the 49ers 30-yard line. And that was either because of a special teams fumble or a really good kick return or punt return. But the Saints got lucky with with where they started drives and got to start inside the red zone for some of those drives. But other than that, the Niners were able to move down the football. They just couldn't capitalize on anything. Third downs, the Niners also had more third downs than the Saints. The Niners were 7 for 16. The Saints were 2 for 12. The Niners were 0 for 1 on fourth down, however, and I wasn't very happy about this fourth down call because it was a draw play on a fourth and two, Jarek McKinnon, and I just don't know. This isn't the first time Kyle Shanahan has called a similar play like that. And it's like, you have a fourth and short. You got a guy like Brandon Ayuk or Kyle Juszczyk or Jordan Reed or Trent Taylor and Kendrick Bourne. Like, there are so many other guys that you could go to in this situation. And they decide to go to Jarek McKinnon. Like, don't get me wrong. Jarek McKinnon has shown strides in, in the passing game. And, you know, he's he's had his moments, but... Jarek McKinnon is not a workhorse. Like he is, he is not a workhorse. And I think this will segue right into rushing yards. And the 49ers rushed on the day for less than 50 yards, 49 rushing yards. This is the second straight week that the 49ers rushing game was non-existent. And it's just cut and clear that without Tevin Coleman, without Raheem Mostert, and without Jeff Wilson, this running game is just non-existent. And in Kyle Shanahan's offense, this is a run-first offense. And if you can't run the football for more than 50 yards, oh, Lord. And you don't even have your starting quarterback either. I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen. And, and Jarek McKinnon, you know, I like the dude. He's a good guy. But he those two torn ACLs and being out of football for two years, I mean, it's it, it it's showing. I mean, Jarek McKinnon is not a bad football player. He has shown you know, that, that he has talent and he, but at some point when you've been out of football for two years and 
how much longer are we just going to give him the excuse of, oh, he still needs to get his legs going and, and he's, you know, he's struggling from fatigue. Like, man, it's, it's week 11. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But Jarek McKinnon, great guy, but we, we can't, it's clearly an evident that we cannot move the football with Jarek McKinnon as our, as our main running back. 232 passing yards on the day. Nick Mullins, again, had his moments, some good moments, some bad moments, and really just came down to the fact that the 49ers just could not capitalize when it mattered most. 281 total yards on the day, also more than the Saints. And this is an offense of New Orleans that has Drew Brees, and I know he did not play the second half due to an injury, but Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Latavius Murray, and the Niners D held them to 237 total yards. That's not bad. And if you watch that game, that defense showed up. The Niners had three sacks. The pass rush finally showed up. After a long game of hide-and-go-seek, the pass rush was finally found. Kentavious Street had a great game. Javon Kinlaw had a fantastic game. And the pass rush was good. They had three sacks, and they played very well. However, the Niners didn't force any turnovers. Jimmy Ward almost came up with a huge interception. I believe it was in the second half. Couldn't come down with it. So the Niners didn't force any turnovers, but they committed a few. Not one, not two, not three, but four turnovers. That is not going to get the job done when you're on the road in a hostile environment. I know it's not as hostile as it usually is because there wasn't a lot of fans there, but still. Four turnovers, I mean, Mullins' two interceptions, not okay. But the two special teams fumbles were very uncharacteristic. The Niners have not had a lot of problems on special teams, but Richie James' fumble, not good. And the one with Ken Webster, that was not good either. That was just not good awareness at all. But four turnovers, yep, that's that's definitely going to do it for you. Six penalties, the Niners need to get better. Some of the penalties were a little whatever. The Contavia Street penalty, which we've been talking about all week so far, you know, it, it was it was a stupid call. I think there's not there's not anything more to that. I think if you've seen the highlight, if you've watched the game, you know that what else is Contavia Street supposed to do? What hit oh, his body weight? What do you want a three hundred pound defensive lineman to do? He's supposed to sack the quarterback, and he sacked the quarterback. It's not even like he went to Breeze's head or or anything like that. It was it was a clean sack, and in fact, Breeze bumped into his own offensive line, which probably didn't help either. But what are you going to do? Sometimes those penalties are going to, you know, happen. But that definitely came at a bad time because I believe it either costed seven or three points. I can't remember. But it should have been a three and out. It's tough. And of course, the 49ers, they also led in time of possession. The Niners led in many statistical categories, and yet they still couldn't win this game. That's why I say that this game was just a game of missed opportunities on the day. And it was tough. Anytime you outgain your opponent in that many statistical categories and you still lose and only drop 13 points, it's not good. And that's not good for Kyle Shanahan in this offense. And this game reminded me a lot of week five in 2018 when the Niners played the Cardinals and the Niners were dominating the Cardinals in the statistical areas way in the total yards. I think, I think they had almost over 400 total yards in that game, if I'm not mistaken, and the Niners lost. They only scored like 16 points because they turned the ball over five times. That's not going to do it. 
It was a tough day at the office for the 49ers, but anytime you turn the ball over that many times, don't expect to win, especially against a very good team and a well-coached team in the New Orleans Saints. On to some individual notes, there's not too many. Nick Mullins, 24 for 38, 247 yards, a touchdown and two picks. Mullins looked good early on, and from there, it just just wasn't that great. And I think the Niners missed the running game mightily. I think that was definitely something that was missing. But other than that, Mullins just, he didn't do anything that wowed anyone. And, you know, he has no excuses in week 12 after the bye week because Debo Samuel's expected to come back. And when you got Debo and Ayuk and Jordan Reed and Kendrick Bourne, there's there's no excuses. You have the weapons there. And Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman are supposed to be back too. There's no excuses in week 12. So, We'll see what happens there. We talked about Jarek McKinnon. I'm not going to get too much into him anymore. 18 rushes for 33 yards. Like, I I just don't know why Kyle Shanahan keeps feeding him the football. As if, I mean, sure, we paid him a ton of money and all the rest of our running backs are hurt. But 18 rushes for 33 yards. Like, dude, it seemed like every time Jarek McKinnon got the ball, it was just a loss of downs. But I'm not going to I'm not going to talk too much about Jarek McKinnon anymore. You know, it's it is his fault, but it's not his fault. You know what I mean? Like, it's his first game, it's his first season back, you know, but he's had enough games to get into things, but it is what it is. On to the other running back who we had, Jermichael Hasty, three rushes for 13 yards, didn't get that much playing time, but unfortunately, when he did, he had to leave the game with a broken collarbone, and, you know, you hate to see it. Jermichael Hasty had his moments, he showed some flashes, and it's tough to see him go down. It's just been the theme of the 49er season so far. Austin Walter was the third string running back in this football game for the Niners. He came in for one play and had a big play. He, I believe it was a reception for 27 yards. It was, I thought the Niners should have used him a little more, but you know, it's all right. Brandon Ayuk was the star of the day on offense. Once again, seven catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk just continues to show that, man, when he is healthy and Debo Samuel is healthy and George Kittle, oh Lord, this offense is going to be a problem. But Brandon Ayuk, he played well in this game. And he showed why he should be a number one threat on this offense. And like I said, if you pair him with George Kittle and Debo Samuel, this offense is going to be a problem. Jordan Reed had a pretty good day. Five catches for 62 yards. Richie James and Kendrick Bourne both had three or four catches. Both for 26 yards. You know, so it wasn't a you know great day for this Niners offense. The Niners defense was very, very good. But it just wasn't enough. And, you know, anytime your defense is coming out, they're bailing you out, you got to capitalize. And the Niners offense just did not capitalize. And the Niners fall to four and six. They're in last place. And they're the only one missing out on the party because Seattle six and three, Arizona six and three, and the Rams are six and three. And the Niners, they're missing out. It's tough. And, you know, if they were healthy, they would be right in the thick of things. And we could be looking at a four-way tie in the NFC West if the Niners were healthy, but it's tough, you know, but um, the season's not over yet. The season is not over yet for the Niners. I think that's being a little optimistic, but the Niners have a bye week coming up. It's much needed. It's huge for this team. I think they need it more than any NFL team right now, and I think the biggest thing for this team, regroup and rest up. That's the biggest thing right now. The Niners just need to regroup. They've lost three in a row by 10 points or more. The first time since 2018 that that's happened. It was a very forgettable three weeks for this team. And I know that this is not this is not what this Niners team envisioned coming into this season. They did not envision that this gauntlet stretch of Seattle, Green Bay, and New Orleans, three of the top teams in the NFC. You know, the Niners expected to be 
tight, you know, really intense matchups like 2019. But instead, they got their butts kicked. And that was primarily because they just weren't healthy enough to compete. So it's tough there. But let's get to the injury news of the week so far. And Kyle Shanahan got a chance to spoke got a chance to speak earlier and some pretty good news so far and of course if these guys actually do come back that's the question but knowing that we have a bye week and the Niners don't play until week 12 I like our odds for some of these guys coming back but so far what it looks like is the Niners are expecting back Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Debo Samuel and Richard Sherman back for the Rams game in week 12 which is huge all four of those guys are massive pieces of this offense and that's, that's a big deal. I feel like if the Niners can get those guys back, we might have a chance at, at beating the Rams. And I don't think Mullins will have to do too much in that football game. But I don't know. We'll see what happens week 12. But if those four guys can go, I, I, I would not count out the Niners in that game, especially after how our defense played against the Saints on Sunday. I wouldn't count us out in that game. Guys expected back week 13 against Buffalo first week of December. Mark Nazacha, who's been out some time. I think that's that's an underrated loss that not a lot of people look at for special teams in depth. And Jeff Wilson, who had that huge game against New England, went down, missed a few weeks. So if we get him back, then our running game will be at full strength, which would be massive for this team. Expected to be back somewhere around week 15 to, or week 14 to 17, rather. Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, Ben Garland. We'll see. I like the odds for Garoppolo coming back maybe week 14. George Kittle, not really sure right now where the extent of that. Same with Ben Garland. And of course, maybe Kwan Williams later. He's supposed to miss a few games, so don't expect him to be back anytime soon. Weston Richburg and Ronald Blair, who haven't played all year. Haven't heard much about them either. The Niners really need both of them, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully both of them are back at some point this season. Kyle Shanahan also got a chance to speak upon... Jimmy Garoppolo and his future with the 49ers. Of course, of course, no one. It doesn't matter who it is. You're not going to go and answer a media question and be like, yeah, you know, we're thinking of moving on from our starting quarterback. No, I mean, it is what it is. Like, you know, you're not going to go into a media session and just, you know, say something like that. You have to be professional. And that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan did. He said that he expects Jimmy Garoppolo to be back this season, but also in 2021 and be the starter. So, of course, like I said, you know, what do you expect? Kyle Shanahan to come in and be like, oh yeah, you know, we're going to explore all options. Like, no, I mean, if Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back and you want a chance to compete this season, then yeah, you want to show that vote of confidence. So I don't think we can officially judge the Jimmy Garoppolo situation until this season is over and the off season begins. Then I think we'll kind of see where the 49ers head in that direction. But like I've said, I want Jimmy Garoppolo back in 2021. I wouldn't mind drafting a backup because I think that's an essential. Mullins and Beathard clearly have shown that they cannot do it. So maybe drafting a rookie behind Garoppolo is a better. And if Garoppolo doesn't play good, then you're throwing the rookie. It is what it is. But we're 4-6, and six, like I mentioned. I'm being very optimistic, but this is just what I'm doing as a 49er fan. This is what we do. We keep the faith. But if the Niners can win one of these next two games against the Rams or Buffalo, and they go 5-7... and seven, I'm saying if Jimmy Garoppolo comes back week 14 against Washington, comes back, we get Kittle back, and the Niners get on a hot streak, win out, get to 9-7, and seven, maybe the Niners sneak into the playoffs. It's a very far-fetched scenario, but if we're healthy down the stretch, I see no reason why the Niners can't win the final four games are against Washington, 
who are 2 and 7, Dallas also 2 and 7, Arizona 6 and 3 who look really good but they're beatable, and Seattle who's also 6 and 3 at home at Levi Stadium who are coming off of a tough loss to the Rams and the Seahawks don't look very good right now. So you're telling me if the Niners get healthy down the stretch they can't win those 4 games? All Nick Mullins has to do, I pray to God, all Nick Mullins needs to do is win one football game. That's, and they had the chance against the Saints. They had a very good opportunity and they blew it. It's tough. But th- this season for the 49ers has been very tough so far. But, you know, there's been some glimpses. They've had their moments. They've had some tough moments. It's been a tough one right now. But it is what it is. It's either we're looking ahead to 2021, but there's still a whole half to play. And we'll see what happens in this final stretch. You know, I I really hope something crazy happens and the Niners make it interesting. Even if they don't make the playoffs and they still go 9-7 and and make things a little interesting in Week 16 and 17, I'll be happy with that considering how the season has gone. On to the rest of the NFL in Week 10, which it was another wild one, of course, as it always is. The Indianapolis Colts played the Tennessee Titans on Thursday Night Football and the Colts won this one in pretty good fashion, 34-17 to to move to 6-3 and and take over first place in the AFC South. Phillip Rivers threw for 308 yards and a touchdown. Naeem Hines was great in the run game with 12 rushes for 7 yards and a touchdown. And all of a sudden, the Colts, that was a big win for them to go into Tennessee on primetime and beat the Titans. That was a big deal. And the Colts went in there and they won that game pretty decisively. And this is a Tennessee team that has looked pretty good for most of the season, but that was a tough loss for the Titans. And the Colts and the Titans, they'll play again in about a week or two. That'll be another great game. We'll be in Indy. They have a game up. The Colts look good right now. And the Titans, they got a tough one against Baltimore this coming week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers rebounded in a huge way after getting embarrassed on Sunday night against the Saints the previous week. They went into Carolina and beat them good, 46-23. to That offense showed no mercy for Carolina. The Panthers hung in there for a good while. It was tight for a lot of that game until Ronald Jones broke loose for 192 yards on the ground and a touchdown led the way for Tampa Bay. The Bucs go to 7-3. And the Bucs, they look good. The Bucs look great. They got a big one against the LA Rams on Monday night at home. That should be a big one for Tampa Bay against a contender in the NFC. Another contender in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers barely beat the 1-8 Jacksonville Jaguars 24-20. The Jaguars hung tough. I got to give them credit to go into Lambeau Field. I know there was no crowd, but that's a tough task for a Jaguars team that doesn't have much talent. James Robinson was awesome in the run game again, running for over 100 yards. But Aaron Rodgers and the Packers prevailed, and it wasn't Devontae Adams this time. It was Marquez Valdez-Scantling, four catches for 149 yards and a touchdown, It's nice to see. The Packers really need that second guy to step up with Devontae Adams. That's a big, that's a really big positive for the Green Bay Packers offense. But barely beating the Jaguars Eh, at home? I don't know about that. That's a little, you know, I don't know about that. But the Packers still got the win. But I don't know. Beating Jacksonville? Struggling to beat Jacksonville? I don't know. Green Bay has looked really good at times. But also a little iffy at, at others. The Miami Dolphins keep it rolling with Tua at quarterback winning their third straight with him under center and their fifth straight overall to move to 6-3 after defeating the Chargers and Justin Herbert 29-21. The Dolphins now are one game back of the Buffalo Bills 
for first place in the AFC East. How about that? The Dolphins, I mean, they have clearly proven that they are the most surprising team in the NFL right now. They are really good. I think at first, when they smacked the Niners, we were all like, whoa, like, like what just happened? How did the Dolphins beat the Niners? But then they played really well against Seattle, and then they beat the Rams, and then they beat the Cardinals, and then it was like, wow, the Dolphins are actually really good, and they're showing that they're a really good football team, and I don't know, I like Mike Tomlin to win coach of the year, but Brian Flores is making a very, very strong case to win coach of the year this year for Miami, and Miami and Buffalo fighting it out for the AFC East, what a refreshing new competition in the AFC to not have New England there, but to have the Dolphins and the Bills fighting for first place. I never thought I would see the day. The Arizona Cardinals, speaking of those Buffalo Bills, the Cardinals won in thrilling fashion over the Bills 32-30 in easily the game of the day and probably the play of the year. The Cardinals moved to 6-3 after Kyler Murray took over with 30 seconds remaining in the game Chucked up a Hail Mary in the dying seconds to DeAndre Hopkins, who came down with the game-winning touchdown with one second remaining on the clock to beat the Bills. What a game this was. It seems like all these Hail Marys happen in Arizona. All these crazy endings happen in University of Phoenix Stadium. It's crazy. Buffalo thought they won on the previous drive. They went down the field. Stephon Diggs scored with 30 seconds. He was celebrating. The Bills were like, wow, what a win on the road against Arizona. And Kyler Murray was like, not so fast. And the Cardinals, who have been in some crazy games this season, are now set atop, tied in the NFC West division at 6-3 with the Rams and Seahawks. The Bills head into their bye week with a sour taste left in their mouths. The Pittsburgh Steelers move on to 9-0 after beating the Cincinnati Bengals 36-10. Ben Roethlisberger had a big day after spending majority of the week on the COVID-19 reserve list. He threw for over 330 yards on the day and four touchdown passes. Chase Claypool, Juju, Deontay Johnson all had big days, all scored touchdowns. And the Steelers, they keep it rolling. The LA Rams had a big game against Seattle at home and took care of business 23-16 in a big win for the Rams this year. Russell Wilson struggled again, another multi-turnover game. As the Seahawks slide down the standings and have now lost three of their last four games. Listen, I I said it last week when it came to Seattle. And we'll talk about this a little bit when we get to the playoff standings. But I don't know what's going on with Seattle right now. But they got to get it figured out quick. Because they got a big Thursday night game coming up against the Cardinals as well. The Rams got their huge win and they're now tied atop the division in a three-way tie. The New England Patriots got a big win on Sunday Night Football at home against the Ravens in a monsoon. It was pouring rain in that game. 23-17. Jacoby Myers threw a big touchdown. I I would assume that that was Julian Edelman's typical play but because Edelman is on injured reserve. Jacoby Myers took over and threw a touchdown to Rex Burkhead. And the Patriots have now won two in a row and have woken up from that ugly 2-5 start. And they're all of a sudden right back in the hunt in the AFC. While the Ravens fall to 6-3 and fall behind, not just in the AFC North, but the AFC wildcard standings as well. 
Other scores around the league, the Browns beat the Texans 10-7. Nick Chubb had a big day in his return from an, LC, from an MCL injury. The Detroit Lions held off Washington at the buzzer 30-27. Matt Prater nailed a 59-yard game-winning field goal. Matt Prater, man, that guy's been doing this for a long time, and he's keeping it up. The New York Giants make things interesting in the NFC East with a 27-17 win over the Eagles to go to 3-7. The Las Vegas Raiders smashed the Denver Broncos 37-12 to keep up with things in the wildcard race. And the Minnesota Vikings beat the Chicago Bears on Monday night 19-13 in a slugfest. The Vikings have now won three in a row and the Bears have lost four in a row. Well, having said that, let's get into the playoff picture heading into week 11 and every podcast episode from now up until week 17 We'll break down the playoff picture for you and we'll go team by team and see where they're at, who needs to step up and all that. And we'll start in the AFC where it's pretty cut and clear who the contenders are in the AFC. And I think we'll start at the top with the Pittsburgh Steelers who are 9-0. However, the error from or the margin of error for the Pittsburgh Steelers is very slim because the Kansas City Chiefs are right there at number two at eight and one. I still I think those are the two teams to beat in the AFC. I really do. I think Buffalo has shown flashes at times, but they still haven't beaten a top AFC team yet. They play Pittsburgh later in the year. Indianapolis has had their moments. I think if their defense catches fire, they'll be scary. The Raiders are very streaky. The Dolphins are a trap team. And then the Ravens haven't looked that great on offense. So I I don't know where the AFC kind of lies, but if you look at the Steelers, They are so well balanced. You look at how they play on defense, how they play on offense. When Roethlisberger is healthy and he's sharing the ball with that aerial attack with Claypool and Juju and those guys, that's a scary offense. And then that defense with Hayward and Minka and TJ Watt and Stephon Tuitt, that is a very, very, very good defense and they are well coached. I still th- I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think they're the best team in the AFC right now. I think a lot of people are saying they're overrated. They haven't beaten any great teams. But if you have an elite defense, but you also have a Super Bowl winning quarterback, that is a formula for success. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing it right now. But those Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes ain't going away. He's just getting started. And I think this is going to be the AFC Championship game. I really do. I think it's going to be Kansas City and Pittsburgh. And it's going to be must-watch TV. I think Patrick Mahomes against that Steelers defense is a phenomenal matchup. But as we've seen, especially from last year, everyone was talking about in the Super Bowl, that amazing 49ers defense of all first-round picks and Richard Sherman and Fred Warner and how good that Niners defense was last year. The Chiefs tore right into that defense in that fourth quarter like it was nothing. So that's where I think in this game, if the Chiefs played the Steelers, I would favor the Kansas City Chiefs just because they've done it against a very good defense in there is no bigger game than the Super Bowl. So I would still give the Chiefs the edge. Obviously, they are the defending champions, but I would give them the edge there. But Ben Roethlisberger, he's been there and he's done that. That'd be a great game. But Buffalo, they're scary. When Josh Allen's on his game, they're scary. I mean, they should have beaten Arizona on Sunday. So you know, Buffalo's still a team to keep an eye on. I just don't know if they can beat Pittsburgh or Kansas City. They lost to Kansas City earlier in the year, but they do play Pittsburgh later in the year in December. That should be a very, very good game. 
And we'll see if Buffalo can pull something out there. Indianapolis, like I said, they're streaky, but I think they can be very good at times. The Raiders are very streaky, but I don't trust them. Out of those wildcard teams, I got to say Miami's the best team right now. I think Miami could go in on wildcard weekend and get a victory. Having said that, Tua Tagovailoa is a rookie. He hasn't been to the playoffs. So I, I, I still would not trust if Miami, if the playoffs ended today, Miami would be going to Buffalo. I like the Bills in that game. Josh Allen has now had playoff experience. Therefore, I, I would still like the Bills. But the Dolphins are a very, they're, they're a very well-balanced and a good football team. And they play Kansas City in a few weeks. That's, that's going to be a great game. In the hunt in the AFC, Cleveland sits at 6-3, and three, Tennessee at 6-3, and three, and New England at 4-5. and five. I think Cleveland and Tennessee have a shot. I think they do. I think they're both very good. Cleveland has played in some slugfest. They are very, very good on the ground game. But they don't really have a passing game. But they got some time to figure that out. Tennessee, we all know what they can do. All they got to do is get in, and I think the Titans will be able to make some noise. The Patriots have some work to do. I still think they're very thin on offense, but they're making it work, and they beat a very good Baltimore team, so we'll see about that. But in the AFC, I still think the lead dogs right now are Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Buffalo has a chance. So does Indy. So does Miami. So does Tennessee. Baltimore, Vegas, and Indy, not quite there yet, but we'll see what happens looking ahead. Of course, it's only week 11. There's still a lot of regular season left. On to the NFC. Things are completely different in this conference in the AFC. In the AFC, you got two teams who I think are the clear-cut leading top two teams in that conference. In the NFC, this is the first time in a long time that I think I can sit here and say the NFC is truly wide open. I don't think I have ever seen the NFC, and if it has, it's been a long time coming. Because last year, it was the 49ers, Packers, and Saints. All three of those teams were 13-3. and All of them were fantastic. The year before that, it was the Rams and the Saints. The year before that, it was the Eagles and the Vikings. Each of the past, you know, maybe three, four, four, five years, there has been one or two teams that have been the two best teams. I think it was 2016. It was Dallas and Atlanta that were the two best teams. This year is so different. It, it's I can't explain it. And if anything, okay, I could use the cliche and say that, you know, it's the most 2020 thing ever. But this is so odd. So we start with the number one seed right now, Green Bay, who sits at 7-2. Green Bay, overall, great team. Phenomenal team. I think they are very capable of getting to the Super Bowl this year. Aaron Rodgers, one of the best to do it. Devontae Adams is legit. Aaron Jones is awesome. The offensive line is great. If Valdez Scantling continues to ball out the way that he has, the Packers are going to be great. And the defense looks very good as well. They have a lot of injuries on defense, but if they get healthy, I think they'll be fine. Having said that, they lost a really weird game to Minnesota and let Dalvin Cook run all over them. They got smashed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then they barely beat the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. I don't know about Green Bay. That's that's my thing about Green Bay. I I know they can do it, but they've they've shown glimpses of, wow, this, this Green Bay team is, they could go all the way this year. But then they've showed at times that, uh, I don't know, Green Bay, you know, they didn't look that great. 
At the two seed, you got the Saints, who are also 7-2, and two, coming off of a unbelievable performance against the Buccaneers. And everyone was like, oh my God, the Saints, they're the new team to beat. They're the NFC's best team. And now we find out that Drew Brees is going to miss several weeks with cracked ribs. That changes everything. And it's not like last year where you had Teddy Bridgewater, who is a, a very good quarterback. He has shown that he can play at a high level and be a very good backup quarterback. He's done a very nice job with the Carolina Panthers, even though the record doesn't show it. But the Panthers have been in almost every single game this season. Teddy Bridgewater has shown that. The backup quarterback for the Saints right now, Jameis Winston. Yeah, the same guy who threw over 30 interceptions last season. Can Jameis Winston do it? This is why he went to the Saints. This is why he signed a one-year deal with the Saints to have this opportunity. I, I don't know, man. This It's going to be very interesting. But can the Saints hold on? Because Tampa Bay, they're lurking right there for first place. And the Saints, after what, considering they swept the Bucks to lose first place because Drew Brees is hurt, I don't know about that. But when Drew Brees is healthy, the Saints team, this Saints team is very, very good. Having said that, they didn't look that great when Drew Brees was playing against the Niners. But still, we'll see what happens. The Saints have shown. They're again, like the Packers. They've shown they can do it. But you still have that gut feeling like, mm, I, I just don't know. The Arizona Cardinals now sit at the three seed. It's a three-way tie in the NFC West. The Cardinals are very good. If they can get their stuff sorted out on defense, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are must-watch TV right now. The Cardinals are so much fun to watch. And as a 49ers fan saying that, I hate it. I don't like the Cardinals. But man, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, they are so much fun to watch in that offense. The Cardinals are good. And I would not want to play them, especially in the playoffs. If they can figure out their stuff on defense, the Cardinals are scary, but they're young. Kyler Murray has not played a playoff game. DeAndre Hopkins has been there and done that, but Kyler Murray hasn't. And so is Larry Fitzgerald. And you know, Larry Fitzgerald wants to get a Super Bowl. That's really the only reason why he's sticking around this long. So I, I would watch out for the Cardinals. They're, they're, a, they're a scary team. The Eagles, you know, the three and five and one, they stink. They're not that good. Carson Wentz is, you know, they lost a brutal game to the Giants. They're kind of just there. Whoever the five seed is, I would take that the equivalent as getting a bye week. So getting the five seed in the wild card ain't so bad because you get to play the winner of the NFC East. The Rams sit at the sixth seed at six and three, and the Seahawks drop all the way to seven. It was literally just a week or two ago, the Seahawks were sitting at the number one seed. They have now dropped to the seven seed. And if this was last year, they wouldn't be in the playoff picture at all. Amazing how that has turned out. And I was talking about Seattle earlier, and now I was waiting until this segment to get to Seattle. They, and I said this on last week's episode as well, they are wasting such an amazing season by Russell Wilson. Having said that, Russell Wilson has not been playing very good in the past few weeks either. This defense is abysmal, but Russell Wilson is is cooking up turnovers. Oh, let Russ cook. The only thing Russell Wilson is cooking right now is interceptions. The Seahawks, got to, they have got to figure that out. And this week on Thursday Night Football, they host the Arizona Cardinals, who have already beaten them once, when the Seahawks should have won that game. That is a massive, massive game in the NFC West for both of those teams. I think there is way more pressure on Seattle than there is Arizona in this game. That's going to be something else. In the hunt, the Bears sit at 5-5. Five and five. They've lost four straight. I don't think the Bears are making the playoffs at all. 
the Vikings four and five, they might make things interesting. They've won three in a row. If Dalvin Cook can keep doing what he's doing, the Vikings might be a team that's there later in the year that can push for something. The Lions are also four and five. I don't know. They're such a weird, streaky team, and I just don't know about the Detroit Lions. The Niners sit at four and six. As far as I'm concerned, right now the Niners aren't going to make a playoff push. Having said that. If my optimistic theory that I explained earlier in this episode happens and the Niners get healthy and they get hot later on, maybe they can test for a 6 or 7 seed, but it's still pretty far-fetched. And last but not least, the New York Giants, who put themselves in the conversation with a huge win against Philly, they sit at 3-7, and seven, but Philly's on a bye this week, so the Giants, or sorry, the Giants are on a bye this week, my bad, the Giants are on a bye this week, but if the Eagles lose to Cleveland, the Giants are still in it the Giants are well in it they are they have three wins Philly has three wins it's pathetic that that that's even a conversation that it's week 11 and you're three and seven and are still in the playoff race unbelievable oh wait not even just in the playoff race but to host a playoff game insanity so the week 11 headline games I talked about the Cardinals Seahawks on Thursday night that's going to be a ridiculous game huge game in the NFC West the Titans at the Ravens Big rematch from last year's playoff. The Ravens, you know, they're looking for redemption. That's a big game there in the AFC. Falcons at the Saints. I think it's a very interesting game considering there's no Drew Brees, but the Saints still need to win. So how is Jameis Winston going to respond to this task? I mean, he he got dethroned in Tampa for Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. He said, eh, you know what? If anything, I should be humble because they're replacing me with the greatest to ever do it. Well, now you're replacing another great quarterback in Drew Brees and the Saints a lot of pressures on James Winston because you have to perform. This is a, a Saints team that, you know, Drew Brees could retire after this season. They it is Super Bowl or bust, and that's how it's been for the last few seasons. And the Saints, you don't gotta ask Saints fans twice. They have had some awful, awful luck these past few years. They got a great opportunity to do it this year. Big game for James Winston. Those Falcon Saints games can be a little weird each year. So that's a game to look out for there. Packers at the Colts. Very interesting game there in the 4 o'clock slot. Sunday nighter, Chiefs at the Raiders. The only loss the Chiefs have had this season have been to the Raiders. And the Raiders are coming off a big win against Denver. That should be an interesting game on Sunday night. And Monday night, big game. Jared Goff and the Rams will play Tom Brady for the first time since the Super Bowl two years ago. That's a big game. I'm really excited for that matchup. That's a great game in the NFC. Can't wait to see how the Buccaneers and the Rams play on Monday night and see who comes out on top. Now time to end this week's segment with the Week 10 49er Way Weekly Awards. Doing all right for time, so we'll kind of get through this pretty quickly here, and we'll start with the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week Award. The candidates were Ronald Jones, who had a massive day running for over 190 yards and a touchdown. Ben Roethlisberger, huge day, four touchdowns, 300 yards passing. Alex Smith, I know they didn't win the game, but it was his first start since that absolutely horrific injury. 38 for 55, 390 yards. A lot of credit to Alex Smith. Really proud of that guy for coming back. It's a phenomenal story. And last but not least, DeAndre Hopkins, who came up with that disgusting Hail Mary catch in the end zone. And on top of that, he had a great day. Seven catches, 127 yards and a touchdown. That's going to be a catch Cardinals fans will forever remember, but I think Football fans will forever remember that catch. The winner of this week's Jerry Rice MVP award was actually a tie. So the co-winners of this week's Jerry Rice MVP of the week award is 
DeAndre Hopkins, and Alex Smith. I love this. I think DeAndre Hopkins deserves this week's award just for that catch. Like, that was that was the ultimate you got mossed Hail Mary I think any of us have ever seen. It was incredible. The Bills secondary, I mean, oh my God. And we'll, we'll get to the Bills secondary in just a minute. But Alex Smith, like I said, what an incredible story. And to go out and ball out and keep your team in that game, really, the Washington had a very good chance of winning that football game. And Alex Smith, after that, absolutely horrible, horrible injury. Didn't know if he would ever play football ever again. He thought his career was done. Forget that. He didn't even know if he could walk ever again. And to come out back, start for an NFL team and throw for over 300 yards. I, I, as, as a former Niner too, you love to see it. Very proud of Alex Smith. That was awesome. And for DeAndre Hopkins, this is his second time this season winning the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week award. To the Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week, the Arizona Cardinals, who had that big win against Buffalo. Pittsburgh is now 9-0. The Indianapolis Colts, who had a very impressive win over the Titans. And the LA Rams, with a very impressive win over the Seahawks. The winner of this week's Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week award was, in a surprise, at least maybe to me, the Indianapolis Colts. I thought the Steelers or the Cardinals would have won this week's award. Even the Rams, who beat Seattle, but... Indianapolis, this was a big win for them in division, putting themselves atop the division. I'll, I'll, You know what? I think all four of these teams had a very good shot at winning this week's award, but I'll give it to the Colts. There was a big win. They shut down a great Tennessee team, and the Colts have another tall task against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on Sunday. That's great. So the Colts win the best team of the week award for week 10. So the Cody Pickett L of the Week award, the candidates were the Buffalo Bills secondary, giving up the Hail Mary catch to DeAndre Hopkins. And the Chicago Bears offense, who was horrible in that second half against the Vikings, the winner of this week's Cody Pickett Elf of the Week award was the Buffalo Bills secondary. And man, y'all deserve an L for that. I mean, there's literally three of you guarding DeAndre Hopkins. And I know he's DeAndre Hopkins. He is arguably the best wide receiver in football. He catches everything in his vicinity. But really... Three of you, all you got to do is just knock it down. You didn't even got to pick it off. You just got to bat it down. The Bills secondary, that's a, that's a big L, man. I, I can't even deny it. That's a, this wasn't even a conversation. I, I just needed someone else to put as another candidate. The Bills secondary automatically got the L of the week the minute they gave up that touchdown. But tough one for the Bills, and it's even worse because they now have to wait two weeks because they're on a bye this week. So that's a brutal way to go into a bye week for the Bills. Last but not least, the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week award. The winner of that award was the Miami Dolphins, who are now 3-0 with Tua Tagovailoa. The other candidate was the Rams upsetting the Seattle Seahawks, which I think was a pretty good surprise. But the Dolphins, I mean, my goodness, they are surprising all of us each and every week. It's like, what do the Dolphins have in store next? And the Dolphins have been through some crap. I mean, they they look like complete garbage. I think it was the beginning of last year. They were getting, they, they gave up, what, like 50 points to Baltimore week one. They, they were giving up points at a historic number through the first few weeks. And to see how Brian Flores has transformed the culture of that team has been something amazing to watch. So the Miami Dolphins are the surprise of the week. They have now won five straight games. That will do it for this week's episode of the 49 Away podcast. Don't forget to give the 49 Away a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. Hope everyone has a great week.